Hello there, you're listening to the Switch It podcast. Welcome to the new era, same as the old one. England moved on from their World Cup debacle by losing an ODI series to West Indies for the first time in 16 years. For some of us, it really is beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. The one day goose is cooked for now. England, in fact, don't play the format again until September. But there's time to avoid coming back from the Caribbean with a sack of coal for the five match T20i series to come. Joining me today to make a list of who's been naughty and nice uh, ESPN Quick Info, UK editor Andrew Miller, and pod debutant Cameron Ponsonby. Let's hope he's got a bit of Matthew Ford about him. Howdy do, uh, chaps. Miller, uh, we stayed up until 3am covering the deciding game in Barbados the other night. Uh, how festive were you feeling on the back of that? Well, I bought my wife a pillow that says Bar Humbug for Christmas a few years ago, and I was I was nursing it uh, in between nodding off uh, while the rain was falling. Uh, yeah, you know, of all the ways to pour pour cold water over over a format that England have been pretty dismal in all all year, and um, that was a good way to end it. Um, I mean, fair play to West Indies. It, it, quite, I think it was their first victory in 50 over cricket in the West Indies against England uh, since uh, 1998. So uh, that's uh, that's that's quite something for them, um, and you know, gives them a little bit of something after not even making the World Cup. So you know, that th- there is there was clearly something to play for there. But yeah, when it comes to formats that matter in the in in the in the moment i think uh, what's what's coming up with the five match odi five match t20i series uh, defending champions lest, lest we forget versus the hosts of the next tournament um that ought to have a little bit more hanging on it than uh, than anything that went on in the uh, the three games just gone i think yes indeed and uh, england losing is for the greater good lest we forget Cam, uh, good to have you on. Hope we aren't keeping you from sipping your morning coffee on the beach. Thank you very, very much for having me on. Um, yeah, I guess England losing, it's strange in that I only really believed it was a new era once they lost the first ODI and Josh Butler came out and basically said, I thought we played really well. And that was just not a sentence you'd ever associate with kind of the great teams when they're all conquering. If they lose, like it's not good enough, basically. And I didn't, I didn't uh, kind of dispute I didn't disagree with Butler kind of publicly praising his team at all I just kind of it made me realize this was the, the start of something it was a different team with a different aura um where they kind of had to the young group had to be looked after and then we had this kind of narrative of oh we played really well in the first two matches um and we played really well across all three matches and but sometimes I think ultimately they've lost and it's kind of a weird balance they're having to strike where they're having to look after these guys who, whilst inexperienced in ODI cricket, are actually also very experienced international cricketers. And so I found the messaging, I've understood it, but I've also found it quite bizarre going up to these kind of international elite athletes after they've just lost something. They go, well, we're actually quite pleased with that. It's been all right. And now the strange thing is they don't play ODI cricket again until September, uh, which really, yeah, having had so much momentum, such a large chunk of the format. Yeah, we kind of just it goes straight back on the back burner. We'll we'll forget about it and for eight months. Yeah, cricket cricket scheduling. Um, we've been there, done that. As you wrote in your piece, that uh, I mean, England uh, the other day, uh, England have now lost their um, last uh, visit to the Caribbean in all three formats. Um, I think you were there for the Test series uh, last year. So I mean, the baseball era uh, is therefore to come in one day. As uh, we should, uh, we can be assured of that. Yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, the perfect hat-trick. T20 series in January 2022, Test in March 22, and then the ODI is here. And it was really weird. It was so similar to the Test setup because the Test series went in 
the last game level and England were very comfortable with how they played across the first two games. And then they lost and Paul Collingwood came out afterwards and said, I couldn't be more positive about what we've achieved over the last three and a half weeks, which again was such a bizarre kind of almost surreal message to hear. But it did precede the kind of great revolution. And yeah, the 2022 series led to a World Cup win. The Test Series was when it was one win in 17 and it led to the baseball era. And now we can look forward to a great series victory against Australia in September 2024 as the, as the big bounce back in, in, in this format. Yeah, put the put the date in your diaries. Um, right then, before we get into another one day humbling for the increasingly former world champions, uh, the ECB have landed us with some breaking news, Miller. A 16-man squad for the Test Tour of India just announced, which includes three uncapped players, one of them, 20-year-old Somerset spinner Shoaib Bashir has barely a season of first-team cricket behind him. Uh, what, uh, what was your initial reaction to the party? A couple of other uncut players in there in Tom Hartley and Gus Atkinson. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating um, selection. It, it really speaks to the, the, the times in which we live because, you know, we've just been talking to Rob Key. I uh, was explaining his his selections there and um, was kind of skirting around the non-selections. I mean, the two the two main players, I mean, strange to talk about them as main players seems neither of them have made, played a major part in test cricket but given that going out to India and uh, having a spin uh, cartel that can actually challenge is a kind of a big part of the of, of the challenge of going out there instead England are going out with Rehan Ahmed age 19 and Sher Bashir age 20 um, alongside Jack Leach and Tom Hartley another uncapped player um, and Liam Dawson who was probably the, I think he was the, the county championship player of the year wasn't he I mean he, he, he had he had a great season for Somerset for, for Hampshire he, he 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 ended up winning I think he beat Essex and and Surrey almost single-handedly in the in the, the final match of the season um, he was scoring runs he was taking wickets he's looked the part and you did sense that if ever there was going to be another chance for Liam Dawson I mean you know Let's say Liam Dawson is not exactly a, a shoo-in in any format for England, but he's been a guy. He's been there or thereabouts every time he's been selected, particularly in, you know, being picked in that um, test in the World Cup squad in 2019. He was picked as a guy who would be relied upon to do a job. And England haven't picked him because he's got a lucrative contract with with the SA20. And I think Vish spoke to him uh, at, at, at the PCA Awards this year, and he, he basically made the point then that, you know, it's going to be a bit of a tough decision. Do I... Do I accept an, uh, an offer to play test cricket again and go out to India, or do I honour my contract that is that is actually a pretty lucrative one? And and the franchise circuit is clearly a place that uh, he can make a an awful lot of coin in the, in the latter years of his career. And it, and it does look as though he's gone down that route. I think um, Key denied that uh, that he'd actually been approached to be on this tour, but it would seem a bit odd for England to think, you know what, we're going to overlook a guy who's been the outstanding spinner in county cricket for. A few years now, and pick an an uncapped twenty year old who's got ten first class wickets, unless they were their hand was forced. And so, you know, the one thing, the other thing he did say was that you know, in the environment that England have, have got in Test cricket, the baseball ethos, uh, Stokes and McCullum will get around their young players, young cap players, and say, you know what, we 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 believe you're here on merit. We're going to make sure that you are the best version of yourself you possibly can be. You never know with with his with his natural attributes. He's very tall. Both he and Hartley are very tall. Good high release points. They could be contenders. But it does feel a little bit optimistic. I mean, a lot about baseball is optimism from front and centre. But this is a five-test tour of India. This is the what is 
commonly regard as the final frontier. It's the it's the it's the the marquee series in world cricket in this day and age, and England do look as though they're going out there having um, been forced to to spike their own guns because they 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 can't they can't afford to to balance the priorities and match the. The, the monies that are available to players who think, you know what, Test cricket is, you know, a one-off tour is not the same as me being a, a regular in the SA20 and, you know, being asked back again next year because I've honoured my contract. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a sad indictment of the situation the, the world game is in, but um, an increasingly unavoidable one, I fear. Yeah, vibes and, and, and teenagers, that's what uh, they're going to be uh, running on in yeah, the toughest place in the world to go and play Test Greek. I mean, um, Cam, you, you were speaking um, a few days ago, I think, to Will Jacks, who is, is another in this sort of um, the, the same boat as Liam Dawson, really. <clears throat> Dawson, a much more impressive first-class record last summer, 800 runs at, at 40, 49 wickets at 20. Uh, Jax isn't isn't really the finished article in in terms of being um, a red ball all rounder, but similarly he is uh, has a deal to play in the SA twenty, um, and and he was not contracted by England when they handed out twenty nine central contracts um, a couple of months ago. Uh, Jax was the sort of the name that was conspicuous by its absence. Um, I mean, he's he's clearly got a chance to impress in in, in the here and now in the white ball game, uh, and not least in this T Twenty series to come, having done his bit in the in the one dayers. But I mean, it, as Miller says, it's kind of just symptomatic of of um, what Rob Key and, and the the management, the, the environment they're having to uh, to negotiate at the moment. Yeah, and, and just on Liam Dawson again, I, I think Liam Dawson's just kind of fed up with England so to a full stop, basically. Something I've always like been a bit obsessed with is last year when they won the T20 World Cup in Melbourne, there was that three-match ODI series afterwards. Liam Dawson, having been with the squad the whole tournament and played in the Pakistan series beforehand, didn't stay for the final. He flew down to Adelaide and had like an indoor net of James Vince ahead of that three-match series. And I remember speaking to Vince at the time and he spoke about how frustrating it was or kind of how it did feel different if you got picked for England when you were the first choice versus when you were consistently the substitute B-team selection. I think that's where Dawson's got to, where he's like, I'm always, I've always, I'm always the backup. I'm always here for you when you want me, but not kind of, it's not a reciprocal relationship. And I think that's actually what makes the non-selection really sad this time round, because had he gone out to India and performed well, I think there's a very likely scenario where he'd have gone into the summer as England's premier spinner. Say he'd out bowled Leach or was the best spin on show. We then have that as a potential turning point because, I mean, what's better for England, for any cricket team, a spinner who averages 30 with the ball and 25 of the bat, or a spinner who averages 30 with the ball and 15 with the bat. There's a real world where Dawson could have come out of this five-match test series and become England's first-choice spinner, and he's opted to kind of go down the franchise route, and that's probably off the back of just feeling so unwanted. And I think with the Jack, the Jack side of it, only 12 months ago, it was Will Jackson, Liam Livingston, who were kind of selected in the uh, Tom Hartley, Sherb Bashir, new spinners obviously it's a bit different they're more all-rounders but they went out to Pakistan mm. Jack's obviously six for and on debut and I think the Jack's thing at the moment I'm wary that we're all kind of going we're a bit miffed oh it's strange that Jack's doesn't have a contract but I think increasingly in a couple of years time we'll all be going I cannot believe they did he wasn't given a contract at that time we're going to think he's this incredibly talented cricketer who's going to potentially end up as a three format player for England and now he's kind of a mission from the contracts. And he's very, he was very brazen about the fact, yes, I was annoyed about it, 
I was expecting to get a contract. I'm uh, not expecting to get a contract, but he said it realigned his expectations. He said, well, if they wanted me, they'd give me contract. They haven't given me contract. They don't want me. I'm going to go and earn some money around the world. I'm going to make sure I get into the 2024 T20 World Cup squad because he's just missed out on the last two kind of iterations of that. Yes, well, uh, uh, clearly there's a lot of um, a lot of threads here to tie together and, and it won't be the last that we hear from it either. Um, certainly... Jacks looks like he's putting himself front and center in the white ball formats. Um, we'll we'll come on to some of his contributions uh, over the last few days. Just um, just one last uh, uh, thing to ponder, Miller, uh, before um, before we switch formats again. But um, Jimmy Anderson, England's attack leader on the subcontinent, aged forty-one. Um, how's that gonna How's that gonna go? We we of course would wouldn't dream of writing him off. Uh, we've we've come down this road far too many times before. Oh God, yes, we, we we totally have. But I mean, you know, I think as clo- we all came as close as any collective has ever come to writing Anderson off last summer during the Ashes. To be perfectly honest, I mean, he was he was a weak link in a way that we'd not seen him be a weak link for England for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, as we say, last time we went out to India, he, he bowled magnificently. Remember those that those two massive howling in swinging Yorkers in 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 the same over. It was one of the greatest overs we've ever seen since Flintoff at uh, Edgebass in, in two thousand five. And that, that that was what four years ago now. So you know he's he's he was already pushing late thirties then, and everyone was astonished by his longevity. So what's another four years on top of that? Um, I suppose the difference is he doesn't he he doesn't have it's not not that he and um, Stuart Broad have bowled together very often in the subcontinent recently, but they were always there as the as the sort of the two men who could be relied upon to be the senior pro in the team. And it's he's not going to play all five tests, no way about it. So you do wonder do do England need to have the senior pro in the in in that role anymore? Do they need to just um, trust the Trust the young guns. I mean, it's difficult as well because they, they think they've only picked four seamers, and Anderson's one of them. Mark Wood's another of them. Who's who? Again, you'd be surprised if he if he plays all five tests. It seems that Josh Josh Tongue is still injured potentially because he would surely have been out there. Gus Atkinson, the new boy. I mean, you know, there, there's the and Chris Wokes obviously has been put put out to pasture. Almost he almost put himself out to pasture really in the, in the summer, despite being the Compton Miller medalist. He acknowledged that his overseas record isn't really all that, and I think no one's really that surprised to see him missing out. And so, yeah, it does feel it does feel for for the first time in a long time as though Anderson's presence is. It's a bridge too far, as far as I'm concerned. Given what we saw last summer and 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 the extent to which his returns didn't just fall off, they just never picked up again. They, he didn't he didn't have that issue we had previously, where you know he, he was clearly carrying a niggle or, or or whatever. He just he just didn't look as though he had the the snap and the threat in his in his delivery that um that has been such a fundamental part of his late career. Um, stats because you know you look you look at Anderson we talked at length about his his longevity but it's more than just his longevity that that period of his last 5 years when he's been averaging 1920 or whatever it is i mean he's been he's been beyond preposterously good um he's just had such control and mesmerizing command of his own game and last summer it felt as though that just eluded him for whatever reason uh Admittedly, it's been a while now. He's, he's almost certainly have gone away and worked incredibly hard to to get back to the the levels that he wants to be. But go back to your original point. He's forty one now. Um, we're going out to India. 
we thought he was an old man going out to India four years ago when England went out to India, and England got beaten on that on that tour as well. Let's not forget it was uh, quite a quite a drubbing in the end. Um, so it's it does worry me a little bit um, if if that is you know England have given him the contract. We've got to honour the longevity and all the rest of it. But it's um, you know we got worries about the the youth and the inexperiences of the spin bowling and Anderson is a complete opposite uh, worry to take out to, to what is going to be a, an interesting attack across these five tests, put it mildly. Yeah, the, the way these the way these tours often uh, uh, pan out or unravel, that perhaps is a better way of putting it. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Chris Wokes, Liam Dawson, even Will Jacks do end up out there by the, come the, the uh, fourth and fifth test um we've also got the question of the wicketkeeper uh with ben folks back in in the squad uh but that's uh, one we'll have plenty of time to discuss i think in the build-up um england getting shellacked in the east indies is still to come then uh, let's return to their recent defeat in the west indies first game in antigua seemed to be going okay having posted a record total at the sir vivian richard stadium only for Shy hope to dash theirs with an 82 ball 100. Uh, England levelled the series in the next game with an improved display before the series drizzled away from them in the wet of Bridgetown. Uh, West Indies successfully chasing down a DLS adjusted target of 188 from 34 overs. Um, Cam referenced uh, at the top there Joss Butler's positivity. Um, I think Matthew Mott had similar things to say in the wake of uh, the the third ODI defeat. Um, Miller, is that the right approach to be taking uh, right now? Well, I guess it's got to be positive. I mean, it's um, I mean a lot of a lot of good things in English cricket in recent times have come out of positivity. Let's not forget. I mean, you know, Basball fundamentally, but everything about Basball essentially stemmed from the positive attitude that England took to their white ball cricket post 2015. So to lose the positivity. Uh, would be uh, a big loss to the way the England go about their cricket. They they are they are inherently an optimistic side at the moment, and it's been to their credit. But I mean, there's a I guess there's a difference between being positive and being a bit delusional. And I think um, I think there was a little bit of little bit of that. Certainly, we saw that during the during the World Cup when clearly the the positive chat that went into or certainly came out of uh, Butler's mouth visibly did not translate to positive intent when it came to his own batting in particular, uh, but just England's general demeanour in, in, in each of their games. And you saw a little bit more of it here. I mean, you know, that, that last game, I think, well, Butler, Brooke and um, another, I forget who else, but there was one run between three of England's key players on, in, in that final game. Um, that that does happen, but, 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 you know, just England have not found the the way to just front up in the way that they used to when they when they had top order wobbles previously i mean it it, it, it was interesting actually going again to the world cup uh, to the extent to which the 50 over game has changed in since the 2019 world cup um, i mean talked about it you guys talked about it a little bit in the pod last week but to me it feels a little bit like you know a suspension bridge these days you got you end up you start out with the solidity and the knowledge in the power play that you can go hell for leather because you're you're near you're near the near the start of the innings and there's there's solidity around you then at the end of the innings you go hell for leather in the way that South Africa did so well in the world cup and in the middle it's a bit more of a, a bit more of a tightrope you've got that massive massive gap from overs 10 to 40 
which, you know, previously were the boring middle overs. But these days, they're sort of the slightly dangerous middle overs because players uh, dare to look down. You know, in the, in the, in the 20 over format, you don't have to worry about, about the, the gargantuan expanse of time that, that goes between those two solid power plays at either end. And we saw what, you know, certainly the way Australia won the, won the World Cup, I, I, I called it out as probably a weakness, to be perfectly honest, because I, I mis, misread it, I think, to be fair. But, you know, looking at the way that Smith and Labuschagne were visibly test-orientated in those middle overs, they were they were willing to be chill, they were willing to just pace themselves. Rassi van der Dussen did it very well for for um, South Africa. Virat Kohli, obviously, had a tremendous tournament by not rushing. Um, England haven't quite, I'd feel, found that that balance between between the formats at the moment so you know they've they've got they've got the certainly with jackson salt up top they do have a passable impression of 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 roy and bairstow at their best in insofar as they're willing to have a go and and give it give it give it a good give it a good humpty but through the middle um there's there's still uncertainty most obviously epitomized by butler who is just not sure whether he's coming or going in that but most most importantly, going back to what Cam was saying at the top there, it's eight months to England play 50 over cricket again. And after the World Cup that England just had, and given that Butler had a terrible World Cup, you just think he just needs a break. He just needs he just needs to stop playing for a bit. Just go and get you know you're in, you're in Barbados. Go and go and sit on the beach. Just chill out. Don't don't actually don't actually think or play cricket for a bit. Just just get your mind back in place. I mean you know he briefly managed it with two glorious sixes off off uh, off um, the spinner of the leg spinner in the last game, but um, oh, the penultimate game. Sorry, but beyond that, they're about the only two attacking shots he's played in in two months. And uh, he's a great player. He'll be back, but. Uh, Right at the moment, yeah, it feels as though you know you can you can talk positive positivity, you can you can pretend you're positive, but clearly, quite visibly, Butler is not personally positive, and as a consequence, a lot of uh, lot of everything else that goes into the team at the moment is is it doesn't really work because without him leading the line, uh, the rest just doesn't function. Um, well, I, I like slightly dangerous middle overs. That's that's a good rebranding. Um, but on on the the more the more vexing <laughs> Joss Butler issue, I mean, uh, can the the T twenties might help fix that in some ways? I think Matthew Mott's confirmed that Butler's going to go back to open. Um, there's only really this series and. Um, the visit of Pakistan in sort of April uh, was May, isn't it? Uh, ahead of the um, the next World Cup, I mean England's next uh, title, world title defence, uh, back in the Caribbean is sort of homing in on us uh, six, seven months away. Um, so Butler can't really take a break at, uh, at least right now because this is important game time coming up. Um, he, he can probably do a bit of that um, in in sort of January, February. Uh, if he if he's not going to pop off to play the, in South Africa or or, or the Middle East, uh, the UAE, but um, but uh, you know back to the, back to the top of the order for T20s, uh, a position he's pretty much peerless in, um, might help fix things. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be, it'd be like a bit like when I think tennis or squash players talk about just go and have a hit, like just go and thrash it and try and hit the ball as hard as you can and try and find some form that way. Um, one thing we I really think we've learned over the last three months is that the two formats are so different. Um, it used to be a case where players, you get different answers from different players. And almost by 
force players back to say, oh, no, I think the skill sets are quite similar um, because if they said it was different, then how would you get into the ODI team if you don't play list day cricket? So they have to say that. Now it's a case where we come out the other side and players are more kind of kind of appreciative of how different those kind of slightly dangerous middle overs are. Um, so, but for a chance for the players to return to this format where they're much more familiar with it, um, it's strange. You go like, Mott says afterwards, he goes, well, we've been playing like some really good T20 cricket for a while now. And you just kind of go, oh yeah, I guess you have. I just kind of, I'm so just wired into the fact that there's been a bad ODI period that actually they are T20 defending champions. They have had a very good record within that format. It will be interesting. I think the main point of interest will be who gets the nod, Will Jacks or Phil Salt to open with Butler. Um, that change happened in the New Zealand series in September or late August where um, Jacks overtook Salt. So that's one of the few times. Salt's so relaxed. He's so chilled about everything. He doesn't go... He didn't get a contract and his line on that was, well, I didn't have a contract, so they don't need to call a bloke to tell me that I still don't have a contract. Like, I'll play wherever, it's all good. But that'll be the main kind of interest point. Because even though Bairstow will come back for that T20 World Cup, there is injuries happen. Kind of that's the main pecking order events that I think is going to happen over the next five, well, five matches. I don't, without wanting to uh, downplay it too much, I'm not sure there'll be two other too many other major storylines coming out. But I'm happy to be proved wrong. Happy to be proved wrong. <laughs> well, it, it always, as always, a uh, nailing down role definition and so on. I mean, uh, but um, this, this, uh, the T20 squad has um, lots of T20 World Cup winners coming back into it. Um, the ODI team, Miller, uh, we touched on um, the opening partnership there, uh, and Salt probably missed out uh, again in uh, uh, in a sense. I mean, 45 off 28 balls, I think, in the first game. Uh, pair have four 50 over stands with Jackson Salt. This is out of five innings, I think. Um, but Jax is the one who's actually gone on and made a, a more solid impression. Uh, Cam, uh, in his piece, uh, I think there's a very good uh, Salt stat about he's only got it out, out of the power play in an ODI twice in his, his entire ODI career, which is only sort of 17 or, or uh, so um games old um but uh, clearly that's the template for them at the top uh, the, the the rest uh, i mean butler's struggles we, we've talked about uh, he, he did end a run of uh 13 innings without 50 uh with a 50 in the, the win in antigua but then it was a golden duck in following up with a golden duck in in barbados um and then, and then, kind of the engine room, the conundrum around Livingston and Liam Livingston and Sam Curran. Um, again, uh, something Cam wrote about, but Livingston impressed with his bowling, probably more with his batting, um, but helped help resurrect the uh, innings in um, in the third game alongside Ben Duckett. Um, I mean, it was it's sort of a very bitty report card, isn't it, for for all involved, uh, certainly in the bat on the batting side. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I, I, I'm most interested actually in Salt, Salt and Livingston are the two guys who interest me the most in this particular iteration of the team. I mean, Salt in Salt particularly because I, I think of the think of the Test team in years gone by, and there've been eras with the, when when you've had to have players that, that that bridge eras. I think particularly Paul Collingwood was a vital player for England in the post-2005 era when he was obviously had a walk-on role in the, in the 2005 Ashes. But then when, the most, when most of that 
when most of that team fell away, and you know you you, you lose Triscothic, you lose Vaughan, you lose Simon Jones, you, you basically the team collapses around you, and you end up with KP is basically the main man and not much else. I felt as though um, Paul Collingwood was a, was a vital bridge between eras. He was there. He was the guy who was who was still a a key personnel in the team that went off to Australia and won in 2010-11. Admittedly, again, he he didn't have the greatest tour there, but in that period, I think you can you can you can say that he overachieved for what was a pretty dismal middle period for England in that time. I feel as though Phil Salt could be an important player for England in a similar sort of way in this white ball team because I don't think he's there for a long time. He's certainly there for a good time. He looks like a guy who, as you mentioned, his stats aren't great, but every now and again he just nails it. But he will never, ever stop going hard. And I think that is the thing that England probably value, the thing that they have valued the most throughout the era from 2015 onwards as far as I'm concerned, is Jason Roy and his ability, his willingness to just run towards the danger. Just much as Zach Crawley does in the test team, to be fair. A guy at the top of the order who just thinks, I don't care. I'm just going to hack it as hard as I can. I'll probably get out for a duck more often than not. But every now and again, I'm going to lump it and keep lumping it. And I feel as though Phil Salt is probably the best version of of Jason Roy that England can, with, with apologies to, to Will, Will Jacks, who is obviously... Jason Roy's teammate at Surrey and, and over Invincibles. I feel as though he's probably got a longer-term future, and so arguably you don't want to judge him too much by what goes on in the immediate future. Whereas actually, I feel as though Phil Salt could be a really important uh, sacrificial lamb, so to speak. You know, he's probably not going to be a great player for England, but he could be a very important player in, if they are determined to keep going down this route of being being attacking, being aggressive, going from ball one. I I trust his his ability to do that um, over and above quite a lot of other players, including, of course, uh, the, the, the lamented uh, Milan, whose selection in the World Cup was clearly there on merit. But you do feel as though it tipped the balance of how England wanted to go about things. Having Dove Milan as the replacement for Jason Roy, I don't think worked in the same way in 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 the same way that England wanted to go about their cricket. They still had their 2019 game brain on, but they had a guy at the top of the order who played in a very different way. This is not a slight on him in this instance because he played pretty well in, in the circumstances. It's just it didn't fit with the the approach that England thought they wanted to take. And so that, that, that interests me, what, what his role can be in the short term. And then there's Liam Livingston, who is just baffling, bafflingly off kilter with the bat. I mean, I, we, we were chatting about it on, on WhatsApp the other day. I, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again, he bats like me. I mean, I, I bat really, really badly. Every time I see the ball tossed up above my eye line, I think I'm going to lump this out of the ground. I lose my shape, I miscue it or I get bold or whatever. And there's plenty of evidence of this on, online, in, in, on our own site, in fact. There is, there is, yeah. My, my, my over to Shane Warne in the nets. But the point is, He's batting with a really, really dumb mindset at the moment. It, 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 it is surprisingly bad for a player who has got such power and such poise when he's at his best. I mean, you think of that that rifled six over over the over the football stand at Headingley. It, it, it just the the power and the levers that he can produce when he just focuses his power to to lump it. He is an extraordinary talent. But every single time in the past two months at the World Cup and again in this tournament when he's tried to inject power, he has gone absolutely hell for leather and 
ends up spooning it or skimming it or or missing it entirely um it, it's really confusing how, how a guy who is clearly a very good batsman is is playing with quite such foolishness when it comes to the the the, the power shots you know england practice range hitting day in day out i'm sure that if you watch watch liam livingston range hitting i mean cam may have a better a better example of this he I, I, I would guarantee he holds his shape better when he's going through his big shots than he does every time he gets out in the middle at the moment. It's uh, it's really odd to to witness because he could be a really, really important player for England, especially given what he offers, you know, that, that versatility of spin, which I think is over and above pretty much anything that, that anyone else in the world can offer, to be perfectly honest. Just the, the ability to, to, to switch from leg spin to off spin with quite such fluidity is an asset that I, I I think not many other players can can replicate. But right at the moment, he's he's batting like a number nine ten, which is uh, is not good enough for a player who clearly has got a higher okay, ceiling than that. Yeah, there was on the, um, there was a journalist, another journalist, told me this story that he he, he was tasked with um, interviewing Liam Livingston a few years ago, and the, the the brief was, can you get a really technical piece on how he strikes the ball, like what his methods are, how he goes about it. And he sat down with Livingston and he was like, okay, can we walk it through? What's your kind of back lift? What's your hip transfer, your weight transfer, your hip movement? And he was just like, no, 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 mate. I just try and whack it. I just try and hit the ball as hard as I can every single time. And they're like, no, but surely there's something else. Like what, what's going through your mind? He's like, no, 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 mate, I promise you. I'm just trying to hit the ball as hard as I can every single time. And when you have this kind of unthinking talent and ability to then wind that back into a situation where it sounds so mean to basically like to a situation where you have to think it, it, it stops your, your muscle memories stop firing. And I think we're seeing that now in that, uh, that innings in a couple of days ago in Britain, in Barbados was probably one of his best innings for England until it ended. And it was that kind of case of like the return to the mean of like, all right, let's belt this ball out of the ground. Having to work so hard with Ben Duckett to get England into a kind of match savable position. I think that he's actually, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, but we all kind of talk about Rayan Ahmed as the heir to Adil Rashid because it's a very, very easy comparison to make. Leg spinner for leg spinner, one's 19, one's 35. But actually, potentially, a more natural shift would be Rayan Ahmed for Liam Livingston. If Ahmed has this kind of skill with the bat, which everyone kind of assumes and hopes he does, and he is able to take that number seven role um, in the touch side, or even bat number eight and you shuffle Sam Curran up to number seven, that's a different balance to the side that you have. And that way, Adil Rashid can come back in and you can still play both leg spinners that you, the advantage you get with Livingston, but you'd have a better bowler and you still get the offspring and jacks. And so I don't think, I think in T20, I think Liam Livingston's rope is as long as it comes. Like if he, the guy can score a 40 ball 100, you're going to keep on giving them opportunities. But in the ODI stuff, I, I don't know whether it's more of a case that we might see a shift from there in the, in the name of, where we go, oh, these formats are more different than we initially realised. Maybe this isn't actually the formats we want Livingston playing in, and it will become more of a he'll become more of a T Twenty specialist if he doesn't return to the Test setup like he did last year. Um, but he's not going to India, so that's not not happening. There we go. Well, just 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 on just on the innings the other day, I'm I obviously admittedly I was falling asleep by, by about half past two in the morning, but I'm pretty sure I remember. Yeah, he faced a faced a free hit at one stage. And came galloping down the pitch to smack the free hit into the stands, ran straight past it, was stumped. I mean, obviously it wasn't out, but again, classic example. 
he had a moment, right, okay, this is my moment to hit it as hard as I possibly can. He completely forgot the basics of watching the ball, um, which, again, is what I do in club cricket all the time. It, 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 is, it, it frustrates the hell out of me as a, as, a, as, a, as a rubbish batsman, let alone a guy with a ceiling as high as him, surely. I wonder if there's something in uh, uh, the fact he is currently at, at playing as a number seven um, when, you know, we're coming through, certainly at Langshu, he's the top order batter. And, uh, you know, England tried in a previous era to, to fit Ben Stokes in at sort of seven and eight and, and as a sort of bits and pieces player uh, doing a job here and there when actually what they needed to do was to, to give him that responsibility and push him up the order. Um, you know, I'm sure Liam Livingston could bat five in, in, in an ODI team. Uh, but whether we will see that, I don't know. Um, but we can segue nicely into talking about Ray and Ahmed, who I'm sure um, there's plenty of good things to be said. Uh, five wickets at, at 23.4 across the three games, uh, economy of 4.33. Matt Mott was uh, quite glowing. Um in his in speaking about him afterwards, he, I mean he's the coming man. He's the 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 eighteen year old with caps in all three formats, um, record breaking um, talent. He's going to India next. Um, Miller, is, is there is there anything he can't do? I mean he he looked just in, completely at ease uh, um, in these three games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean uh, Rob Key again was talking about his selection and and just watching his act his his attributes in action in the in the white ball series. And just said his body language is the most extraordinary aspect of what he's bringing to his game at the moment. Never mind the fact that he's landing the ball on a sixpence with, with the art of leg spin, which, as we all know, is bloody hard to get right to and, and can go wrong very quickly. He hasn't let it go wrong at all. And as a consequence, he's bouncing around looking like he's loving every minute of it. And that's part of the battle, frankly, when it comes to when it comes to the again, the body language. There's a lot of talk of body language in this in this in this pod, but but it does seem a vital attribute. You know, he's only 19 and he's probably going out there as as England's, with Jack Leach, obviously likely to be, be first choice, but England will play two spinners, surely, uh, for uh, much, if not all, the series. He is, at this stage, clearly uh, the, 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 the senior of the other options and he's 19. It, it, it's preposterous. But he, you would imagine, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play all five tests given given where England are at with their other spin options. Um, and he just, you know, we saw what he did on debut when, again, given that faith by by Stokes and McCullum, you know, obviously he came out and, and was, the, was the original Nighthawk as well, you know, absolute, complete, complete faith and trusted by, by England's captain and coach to treat his test debut in Karachi as, as, as a club game, essentially. Go out there and play as if you were playing for the under tens. Essentially, was the, was the mindset that he was offered, and he grabbed it with both hands, produced a performance way, way, way above under tens level, and and it feels as though that's that's the way he will go from here on in. It, there are bound to be setbacks uh, because you know spin bowling's bloody hard, and we've seen far too many occasions of of England spinners. It often it often happens. England spinners do get picked young because they don't last very long. So, you know, I could turn to George George DeBell and talk about the marginalisation of the county county cricket and you know the fact that we don't get decent pitches in midsummer for for the spinners to ply their trade. And so you you get to a situation where you're either relying on guys who have beaten the system like like Graham Swan did. Obviously, he, he survived in county cricket for eight years while while in the England wilderness and then suddenly emerged as 
uh, as an outstanding spinner, or you throw him in young. You think of I don't know, uh, Blackwell was one one name. Ian Blackwell played in the uh, Test series in India in what was it, two thousand two? I think it might have been maybe maybe more recently two thousand six seven perhaps. Um, yeah, it was the same one as Cook uh, debuted, wasn't it? It was yeah, two thousand five six. That's right. Yeah, so he, he, you know he, England do tend to sort of throw guys in who are unready because you've got to have a spinner in 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 uh, in Indian conditions and um you know they might get might get lucky they might use the 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 the, the, the joy of youth will get them through to a certain degree again something that, that key was talking about saying that you know sometimes it's best just to trust the optimism of youth rather than the, the slightly wizened haggard old pros who've, who've who've been beaten around too much and uh, and don't have that that sort of mental agility you require in the in the circumstances but Rehan Ahmed does does appear to be a guy who who bucks that trend. He he looks like he's, he's nineteen, but you know he's been bowling to to international cricketers in the nets at Lord since he was since he was eleven. You know he's a guy who is who's been trusted to to do a job, albeit as a net bowler as as a, as a preteen uh, and getting 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 players out. So I think that was the twenty sixteen Pakistan tour, wasn't it? When um, when he got got brought over to Stokes and Alistair Cook and. I mean, it depends. Depends. Depends which uh, which version, who you, which interview you do with him. It's a different player each time. But it, but I think it's fairly fairly well established that he got at least one and probably more of England's players out while bowling to them in the nets on uh, on his various visits there. Uh, he's a guy who, who who just you know he's he's been around a decade already in England circles circles and now suddenly here he is in all three formats. The heir apparent to Ali Rashid um, on the one hand, but potentially. Offering England something they haven't really been able to take to India uh, before. Adil, you know, obviously, Adil did go out there and had a decent time uh, a few years ago. But you know, for England to take a leg spinner out to India and, and trust that he's going to be a frontline weapon, I mean, that's that's a rare thing indeed. Oh, and yes, well, um, I was going to mention his batting, but famously, Adil Rashid has ten first-class hundreds as well. Um, and for the for the T20s here, uh, Cam. Um, Rayhan is, is back to being the sorcerer's apprentice. Um, I, I mean, do, are you expecting him to uh, get much game time in this series, or is it the, you know the old firm of Rashid and Moeen? Is there even a case that with this you know uh, this far out, and not very far out at all from a World Cup, um, Moeen might be the player that's sort of looking over his shoulder, uh, given his sort of uh, utility in this format. He's almost become a. Um, you know, a guy that will bowl a couple of overs here or there and face uh, eight, ten balls down at, at number at six or seven. Um, and if, I mean, Rehan Ahmed's googly probably turns as much as, as Moen Ali's off break. Yeah, I, I, if Rehan Ahmed doesn't play, look, kind of what are we doing here? That's kind of, that's going to be my kind of takeaway. I don't know if that's like, if he is in line to play all five or whatever, but he's a player of such like sickening talent. And it, uh, the two things have happened this tour, which have really kind of emphasised to me kind of just how highly sort of one is that other players talk about him in tangents. So it's not like, oh, how's Ray gone today? Or, what, what do you think of Ray and Ahmed? They'll be giving an answer and then they'll go off and they'll say, they'll talk about how good this kid is basically, or young ad- adult. And the second one was um, we were training in Antigua and he was bowling in the nets and two of the kind of old age pensioners of the, who've been around forever, didn't know who he was. But they're looking out and they're going, who's this kid? He's got such a lovely action. And I think if you, if you get the old age pensioners of Antigua on your side, 
there's kind of there's there's not much higher praise. I'd rather get them saying they thought I was good at cricket than like Sam Curran in a post match presser. Um, we, we're still trying to work out what he is. No one knows, and that's why he went to Pakistan. Is because Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes just just liked him. They just thought he was amazing, but no one really knew how he fitted in. And if we're not using a bilateral series against the West Indies in the same region that the World Cup in six months is going to play to at least give him three or four, then like, I think I'm speaking mainly out of the passion of anger if he doesn't play. Like, I love watching Moen Ali and all these other guys, but I've seen them and I want the new fancy, exciting toy uh, to be shown in front of us for the next five games. Because I don't want him to bat higher as well. He came out in the, in the last ODI and he kind of just caressed his first ball, ball for four through the covers but he also wasn't a crest. It was really powerful. And he's just, he's such an exciting player to watch. And yeah, I'll be leading a, I'll be joining the mopped out party if, he, if he's not in the starting lineup for all five and opening the batting and bowling. <laughs> Miller, of course, this is, it, the T20s is where it does get a bit bit more crunchy. Um, there, there's a, there's an element of, of experimentation here because there's no Ben Stokes. Uh, there's no... Uh, Johnny Bairstow, uh, you know, there's no David Milan, um, <laughs> who, uh, uh, you know, World Cup winners all, um, whether it's, you know, Jack's opening alongside Butler, whether it's Ben Duckett or sort of Harry Brook at, at number three. Um, England do need to uh, not necessarily win this series, but, you know, start playing uh, or keep playing let's uh, perhaps just say although I think they did lose in Bangladesh um, earlier this year uh, as World Cup winners um, but they've got to start playing you know uh, top level T20 um, and uh, preparing for this World Cup defence slash attack um, given how badly the last one just went yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, we've got to remember they are still world champions. I mean, it, it is. I think it's it's almost useful to have had quite such a rude awakening in in terms of their world championship defence last time out. It's, uh, you know, I think we we've been through it ad nauseam about how England, how England deliberately went into that World Cup thinking we can pick up where we left off four years ago. Uh, I think everyone kind of agreed in the circumstances it was the right approach. Uh, in the actuality, it was a terrible approach that got found out by the fact the game had moved on. So it is actually a really useful time for England to test the conditions, test, you know, as you say, it's a, it's where the tournament will be held in six months' time and it's against the, the hosts. So all of a sudden you've gone from two teams that bombed at the World Cup in the 50-over format to defending champions versus hosts of the 20-over format. So it's, it, suddenly this, this, this series does actually have quite a lot riding on it. Um, I would love to see both Rashid and Rayhan play in this series. I, I see no reason why why you wouldn't try to pick them both. Frankly, I think uh, I think they're both worthy of inclusion. I think we've seen the way these pitches have gone. They do take spin, and leg spin in particular has been difficult to get away. Um, so uh, why not give 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 them almost a, almost a uh, on the one hand it's it's a head to head. See whether the young gun is better than the old gun. But equally, if they work out works out they bowl well in tandem then that's a serious string to to know you've got in your bow going into the same conditions in six months time so um there's a lot of there's a lot to be learned there um as i said earlier i i i defer judgment on joss butler 
in the current circumstances, I, I think he he would be just as just as well sitting on the beach and letting someone else have a hit, much, almost as he did in Pakistan. It wasn't the beach, but he was uh, he was out there as the as the mood controller in Pakistan in in, in that five match series ahead of the last World Cup. Um, let Moen Ali do the captaincy, and he just was in in charge of uh, in charge of the the vibe essentially, and it didn't do in England any harm. I think it, a bit of a break from from actually having to front up and be Joss Butler the man wouldn't actually do him any harm on the one hand it wouldn't do the the guys trying to impress him any harm either because you know if, if Butler does play it means say Salt doesn't play or Jax doesn't play or Duckett doesn't play you know there are knock-on effects for players who have got an awful lot more to prove in these five games than Butler does so uh, uh, that's just my tuppence on this on the subject but broadly speaking, yeah, I think it is. It's a useful time to have it. You know, that final run into Christmas. It's uh, one last push, and then you can have a proper break and get get away, get away from the grind because it has been quite a grind for these guys. Certainly, the ones who did, did the did the World Cup as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly, it feels that there's an awful lot more at stake. And we haven't even talked about West Indies. They've got their big guns coming back, like Nicholas Puran coming back, and you know. Matthew Ford made a good impression. He's got a, he's got, he's got a chance to to show what he can do. Uh, Jason Holder, I think, is back in the squad, isn't he? Uh, so you know, there's there's an awful lot of guys who who have uh, got an awful but, lot. Andre of cash Russell as well. Andre Russell, of course, yes, absolutely. I forgot about him. He's he's he was in the in the in the Abu Dhabi tens um, last week. I think he made the final, didn't he? But uh, you know, first time in two years for him, and um, he's a guy again with with a home World Cup looming. Um, a guy who will have an awful lot of incentive to to give it some Humpty. So um, yeah, it should, it should be fun, and um, and and yeah, why not why not wind down to Christmas with a with a five five, five matches that that actually feel like they're going to count for something. And just on that subject of um, selection and and um, contractual status in the in in the, the you know the. Kind of shifting sands of the modern game. A lot, a lot of those players you just mentioned have, have several high-profile ones. Uh, Holder and Puran have declined. Uh, I think Carl Mays as well have declined central contracts. I mean, uh, West Indies have always been in this position, very much kind of the, the opposite end of the spectrum from England. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously good and a, and a testament to some of the work presumably done by Darren Sammy uh, um, and uh, uh, you know the management that people like Andre Russell. Um, are back involved. Uh, you know, hasn't played since the last uh, since the last but one T Twenty World Cup in in the UAE. Um, but at the same time, those guys Holder as well and and, and Russell and uh, maybe not an, an ODI contender, but they they were playing T Ten whilst this this series just completed was going on. It's it's uh, that's the the challenge in, in a nutshell. Well, this is the trouble that, that England are suddenly discovering that the, the, these issues that West Indies have been negotiating for a decade already are now lapping at their own shores. And um, it does feel like this is the this is the direction of travel for the world game. Even England is discovering that the, the lure of these big these big tournaments um, is overweighing the, the the cachet of playing for England. Uh, but when it comes to the main events, of course, the opposite is true. Everyone wants to come back for the main events, and I think the more sympathetic boards can be to the need for these players to earn livelihoods and and get their opportunities where they where they can in their athletic prime and still come back with um with with no compunction about about their selection for the major events i think it does the game uh, in as a whole a favor to be perfectly honest i think being punitive about selection 
much as they were. Well, Shimron Hetmeyer was a, was a guy who who's twice missed out on one of them was was for plane issues, but the other time I think he was because he hadn't played enough in West Indies domestic um, competition, and I feel as though that was that almost that was for the the World Cup qualifiers, wasn't it, in Zimbabwe? And um, obviously, West Indies bombed out of those having turn the nose up at one of their most outstanding players. So I think you can see that there is a, there's obviously a, a, a bit of a push me pull you going on here. But equally, if you know the, the boards want to, their players to be available for the main events and want to do well in those main events, uh, I think it, 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 is, it, it is kind of virtuous in the end if, if you allow these players to pick and choose on the assumption that the bigger the, the, bigger the occasion, the more likely it is they will want to come back for it. Yeah, West Indies obviously missed the boat for the, the last 50 year World Cup and Shimon Hetmeyer has missed the plane uh, leading to non-selection. Uh, one last one for you, uh, Cam. I think you're um, part of the um, same fan club as Matt Roller, uh, da- the David Milan fan club. Um, uh, uh, who, who, are we, who are you expecting um, to take up the mantle at, at number three for this series? You know, basically the run into the World Cup, and and who you know who is going to essentially make us miss David Milan's enduring qualities um, over the next few uh, few days? Blimey, that's a very good question. I don't know whether they'll go. I think they'd love to find a way to play both Jacks and Salt. Mm. Um, I know it's not quite the same. Um, like for like trade or whatever, but I can't really, I can't really imagine a world where that doesn't. Well, they'll they'll need both players to play. And as it was in New Zealand in the build up to the World Cup, that wasn't possible, and Salt fell away. But given they are kind of the, this duo that they'll want to see both progressing, I'd I'll be interested to see Salt go there. I mean, it would be a case of just like you've lose one early. There's no calming down. It's we're going to lose too early, or we're going to just con- continue to kind of fight our way through the power play. Uh, that'll be my my. That'd be my main guess. I think it were. I, I don't know if, it, if you guys know. I'm missing out on an obvious name here, but that'll be Brooke and Brooke and Duckett are the other uh, they're guys. All, in they're the, in everyone's the squad, a number four, aren't they? So yeah, it does kind of make sense. Yeah. Well, uh... let's Rayan Ahmed, of course. Get, get get him up there. And in... oh, sorry, 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 Andrew. Yes, <laughs> Rayan Ahmed at three. That was where. That's the way I've been thinking about this whole this whole week. Um, on on the Windies stuff, I'm actually doing a I'm doing a Q and A event with Desmond Haynes, the chief selector, this evening. So um, I'll be interested to know how much he's a, he's a, he's allowed to talk about it because it's been, I mean, it's so tumultuous in that you've had in the last month you've had Darren Bravo's non-selection become a massive issue. You've had Shane Dowrich retire after the, getting the call up. You've had Andre Russell come back having been away for two years, and I don't think that Asian really counts here because that's why they left out Dan Bravo and Russell's older than him but there's a World Cup in six months rather than four years and it's actually why I actually thought it was really lovely seeing Matt Ford in the ODI and how happy he was and how excited he was to do well and kind of to remind yourself that this does mean so much for so many and at a time where you've got players kind of turning their turning their backs is, is too strong a phrase but at a time where you have players opting to not take central contracts in such numbers because of the potential there is elsewhere. It was also kind of really lovely to see Matthew Ford celebrate his wickets so passionately. And then after the match, he kept his pads on. He was just walking around the stands and he was having selfies with everyone, basically. He's a local boy, so I wouldn't be surprised if he um, knew a fair few friendly faces in the crowd. But yeah, Ray and Ahmed at three. Forget everything else. Uh, Matthew Ford, open the ball with the West Indies. 
very good, uh, heartwarming uh, tale to end on. Um, and I think we can all get behind Rayhan playing as much as possible. Uh, and clearly, Matthew Mott had better too. Um, Okay, I think that'll do us for today. England will aim to get their T20 World Cup plans on track and finish the year on a positive note. We'll be hoping it doesn't become another jingle bells up. My thanks to Miller and Cam, a fine debut performance. Please feel free to rate him and us on your preferred pod platform and stay tuned to ESPNCrickInfo.com for all the latest. <laughs>